good morning, everyone. Good to see all y'all out there. All right, this morning we're going to be in the book of Romans once again. Romans chapter 6. Now, as I studied this, this chapter is like a well. I don't think you can get to the bottom of it. I really don't think you can. Because the deeper I dug into it, the more I realized, the less I knew about it. Um, but Lord willing, we'll finish up this chapter this week uh, and next week. Romans chapter 6. This chapter is talking a lot, talking a lot about our unity in Christ. And any illustration that you talk about unity with Christ or being in Christ just falls short. Falls way short. You know, you think about baptism. And we know that's an illustration of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, but also it's a symbol of somewhat of unity with Christ, because when you're under the water there, being baptized, and you're completely submerged, that's like being in Christ. There's no part of you that's not indwelt by Christ. When you think about marriage, now, that's a good example of being in unity with Christ because a marriage relationship and a husband and wife together is an excellent illustration of that. But even that falls short because my wife probably knows me better than anybody on the planet, but she doesn't know everything. And being unified with Christ, he knows everything about me. And another aspect of marriage, when you get married or you're thinking about getting married, you know, whatever debt one of those partners has becomes both partners' debt when they get married. And the same thing with riches, whatever the riches are, both partners become unified in the same riches. And that is a great illustration of how we are when we come to Christ. We have a debt that we can never pay, our debt of sin. Christ has the riches far beyond we can, what we can imagine. And when we come to faith in Christ, we get his riches and he gets our debt. He paid our debt. He paid it all. And there's no part of it that he didn't pay. When we come to faith to Christ, he has more grace 
His grace is sufficient to get us all the way to heaven. We don't have to worry about tomorrow or next week or an hour from now. We're saved to the uttermost. Saved to the uttermost. That's kind of a summary of the first part of this chapter we looked at over the last several weeks. But this week we're going to move into the second part of this chapter, verse 15, and I'll begin reading there in verse 15. And this, this section starts out just like the first section did. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servant ye are to whom you obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness but God be thanked that we were the servants of sin but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now ye yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit, what fruit had you, you uh, then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But being now, but now being made free from sin, and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit in, unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Father, again, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that you've revealed yourself in your word. And that you've revealed your grace and your free offer of salvation to all who believe. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we can't do that enough. And Father, we ask that you bless the reading of your word today as we just dig into it a little bit this morning and help us to understand, open our hearts to hear you speak. For indeed you do speak in your word and father we ask that if there's any here today that doesn't know you that today would be the day that they hear with their ears and see with their eyes and come to faith in you and put their faith and trust in you and father we just thank you again for all that you do in jesus name amen Verse 15 says, shall we sin? The same answer that Paul gave in verse 1 is, God forbid. May it never be. Or no, 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 
never, we should never sin because we think grace is going to cover it. God has never saved us for that purpose. His grace is sufficient for all of our sin, but that doesn't mean we should go out and sin so we can get, make God's grace greater. Paul starts again by reinforcing that grace is the means by which God works. Grace is the means by which God works. He does not deal with us apart from grace. Grace is just alive now as it was when Adam and Eve walked in the garden. It's God's grace that he just didn't wipe them out when they rebelled against him. There never was a time when grace was not between God and man. It's always been there. And law and grace are not opposed to each other. They complement each other. Because it's through the law that we learned that we needed salvation. We learned of our sin. We learned that we needed forgiveness. We learned that in the law there was a debt that we could not pay. Then in verse 16, it goes on there and it says, Know ye not? The one you yield to is the one that you're a slave to. Before we come to Christ, we're a slave to sin. We don't like to think of ourselves as being a slave. But we indeed are. You know, you think of the alcoholic. I've known a few alcoholics on some of the job sites I've been on, and some admitted that they were and some didn't. The ones that admitted they were always said, one, one, one beer or one drink was not enough and two was too many. They were a slave to it. They lived for it. see people that are addicted to drugs you know the first time that they use it that's all that they want to do for the rest of their life and those are just really open sins that men have but there's many more we have sins in our mind that you know your spouse doesn't know anything about they're still sin. And we can be slaves to them. You can, he talks about being a, a master. Are you going to be a master, mastered by your sin, a slave to your sin? Or are you going to be a servant of Christ? And the scripture tells us that you can't serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. Uh, Luke 16, 13 says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God 
and anything else that seems to take the place of God. You know, sometimes we think that if we get the, you know, the mantra is when you're when you retire, it's a number, it's not a date. But you know what? That number can be done away with by just one trip to the doctor. Whatever that number is, or one accident on the highway. So what do you put your trust in? Are you going to trust God? Are you going to trust your riches or your ability to go through or make it through or your ability to say, I'm, I'm going to just stand before God and I'll answer for whatever it is that I have. That's a scary, that's an arrogant thought. You can either serve God or you can serve something else. Do you trust God or do you trust in something other than God? We have a name for that. It's an idol. The one you trust is the one you serve. Praise be to God that he made the way that can set us free from sin. The words of Jesus say, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If Jesus saves you and gives you freedom from your sin, you're free indeed. You no longer have to be a servant or a slave to your sin. You no longer have to be a slave to your accumulated things in life. You no longer have to be a slave to your ability to get up in the morning and go to work every day. You put your faith in Christ. You serve those things. In verse 17, it said, the faith that uh, saves comes from the heart. We are justified by faith. We learned that in chapter 3 of Romans, that we're justified by faith. And that faith that we're justified by comes from our heart. Uh, look at uh, Romans chapter 10. Just to remind you of that, Romans 10, 9, it says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that believing in your heart. Verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believeth, unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation it sounds like the simplest thing in the world to do and it is but it's hard to continue there but even though the Christian life is hard 
of Christ. Because he is a priest that's been tempted like we are. Yet without sin. Whatever the sin that comes along that besets you, that could beset you. Um, whatever it is, he gives us a way of escape. We can always remember that God has given us a new heart. We don't have to serve that sin. We can come to the doorstep of that sin and say, you know what? Christ died for this sin and I don't have to continue in it. I don't have to continue. Verse 18 says we're free from sin. 1 Corinthians 7, 22 says, For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Freedom is not, or freedom is found only in being a servant or a slave to Christ. We don't think of being a slave as freedom. But there is great freedom in Christ. You might struggle with what about all my friends I used to that I have now? Will they understand those things? If I come to faith in Christ? One thing I know is is that Christ changes your wonder. You don't want to do those things anymore. Changes them. Verse 19 talks about yielding your members. Paul recognizes that the flesh is weak and wants to decide, wants to satisfy its desires. And before conversion, the flesh gave itself to all manner of things. You know. We did whatever we wanted to before we came to Christ. We satisfied our own desires. And the language here in these verses is talking about sexual sins. But in Christ, he frees us from those things. We can be free from those very difficult sins to overcome. Paul says we are to yield and make yourself available to following righteousness. That's what the word yield means. It means make yourself available to. When you yield to something, you're making yourself available to it. Sometimes when you you hear the a report on how the farmers do, they talk about the yield the farmers have. And that's the fruit. The fruit is made available for the farmer to pick or harvest. And it's whatever those things that we, as human beings, as men and women, and boys and girls, yield ourselves to, those are the things we'll be servant to. Are we going to guard our heart? be servants to Christ or we're going to yield to our fleshly desires 
that lead to death. We can yield our heart to life, to Christ, to life, or we can yield our members to sin and death. Verse 20 talks about one master. You cannot serve, be a servant to sin and righteousness at the same time. That's like a fountain of water giving off fresh water and salt water at the same time. It can't happen. You can't go to a, a well that's got sulfur in it. If you have a well, you're probably familiar with sulfur. You can't drink from one side of it and get fresh water and the other side and get water that's not sulfur. It's all sulfur. And you can smell it. Your lifestyle cannot be one that embraces uncleanness and lawlessness. That's what those two words mean, iniquity and ungodliness are. They mean uncleanness and lawlessness. You can't be both an outlaw and an in-law at the same time. The new heart will not allow the two to coexist. When Christ comes into your heart, when, when you come to Christ by faith, the Holy Spirit indwells you, and throughout your life, He'll root out sin. He's constantly revealing sin in your life. Anytime you think, you know what, I'm pretty good now. Pray about that. Lord, thank you for making me so good. He'll reveal sin to you. The Holy Spirit will root it out. He'll pull those weeds out of your garden. And the fruit of lawliness and uncleanness is death. Verse 21. Verse 22, Paul asks the question, What is righteousness? Where does righteousness lead? Leads to life. In verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's a summary of the whole chapter right there. We can yield ourselves to sin, which leads to death. Or we can yield ourselves to Christ, which leads to life. And one last thought I want to give you as we come to the close here, as I was reading this and praying about it. I understood, I understood something that was very important. And that's the fruit of God's calling on your life. If you're a Christian here and you're in these struggles and life seems difficult, I want you to understand that the fruit of God's calling is righteousness and holiness. If God has called you to children's ministry, and it seems hard and difficult. The fruit of that is righteousness and holiness. It's a holy work. If you're a pastor and Israel and Stephen are going to preach somewhere else today, later today, and while they're preaching, 
though it was difficult to find time and it was difficult for them to study and set apart time to get to the where they could preach a message today. Guys, I want you to know it's righteousness and holiness. It's a holy work that you're doing. It is. So don't be discouraged by it. And whatever God has called you to do, if, we, if God's called you to change diapers and get up in the middle of the night and take care of your baby that's sick, understand that if you come to faith in Christ, that's holy work. You're raising your child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's holy work. It's righteous work. So be encouraged in it. All right, let's stand and we'll pray and then we'll have our last song. Father, again, we thank you for that work that you do in our hearts when we turn to you in repentance and faith. We no longer serve ourselves, but what we do is to bring honor and glory to you. Father, that's holy work. That's righteous work. And Father, we ask that you'd help us to understand that today. And Father, if there's one here today that, you know, all this kind of doesn't make sense, we ask that you'd open their heart and their mind to your word, that you would give them understanding, grant to them repentance and faith, that they would come to you and trust you all the rest of their life. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you for all that you do in Jesus name